Welcome to the ColbyCast, episode 106. Thank you for joining us. Some students are blessed with exceptional athletic ability and combine this athletic ability with great discipline, which enables them to continue on to become collegiate athletes. As exciting as this success is, it also involves navigating the requirements of the NCAA or the NAIA. Today, student-athlete mothers Faye Starvagi and Anna Havens join us, along with Everett Boyarski, to discuss life with student-athletes and their preparations for college athletics. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. without saying, though I will anyway, that families who do school at home don't spend the whole day doing it most of the time. There are usually several hours left in the day to live any number of ways. Many Colby students spend a considerable amount of time engaged in athletic pursuits ranging from dance to martial arts to team sports to swimming, etc. A long list. The flexibility of school at home allows for time to devote to these interests in the context of family life. Our guests today are no strangers to the long hours their children spend training in gyms and swimming pools and lots of other places, and they have found homeschooling to be a way to meet the academic needs of their athletes. Mrs. Anna Havens is a Colby online instructor we first met on episode 81, the when and the how of online elementary, whose daughters are elite athletes. Welcome back, Anna. Hi, thanks for having me. And for those who hope to continue their athletic activities in college, there are some considerations to keep squarely on the radar screen. Mrs. Faye Sarvaji is a Colby mom with firsthand experience with the hoop jumping required to keep the college athletics door open for her swimmers. Hello, Faye, and welcome to the Colby cast. Hi, thanks for having me. It's lovely to meet you. Thanks for coming. We also have with us Mr. Everett Byarski, Academic Services Director for Colby. Hello, Everett. Good to have you back. Always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Everett has, he's been around for a long time. He's got lots of stories for us, been through lots of experiences with lots of families, including our student athletes. So he's got a wealth of experience and wisdom to offer to this conversation. So Faye, would you tell us about yourself and your family and how you came to use Colby? Sure. Um, My husband and I have five kids and we have four boys and they are currently 23, 21, 17 and 13. And I also have my youngest is a girl uh, and she's 10. Um, This fall um, will mark our 16th year in Catholic homeschooling. Wow. And you've used Colby in a variety of ways, homeschool online courses. Yeah. Well, we, we started off probably like most people and just sending our kids to like nursery school and then I had them in a um, local independent Catholic school, but I never imagined in a million years that I would ever be a homeschooling mom. Never. (laughs) I I never even gave it a thought. I didn't even know it was really an option. But um, basically how we came to Colby was that he he went there from kindergarten, first grade and second grade. And I found myself having to spend practically every night during the weekday um, at our kitchen island, just having him do his homework and having to um, help him 
-hmm. like somewhere, some ways in upwards to an hour to an hour and a half every single night. And I thought to myself, I, I just thought, why, why are you struggling so much? This is supposed to be just homework. You're supposed to just, you know, knock this out in like 15 minutes. Yeah. And I was spending all this time with Nicholas and um, just getting kind of frustrated, wondering like, wow, if, if I feel like I'm teaching you the concepts really that you should have learned in school. And, and it was frustrating to me too, because at the time, this was back in like 2006, 2007, we were, we were spending like five grand. And I thought, here I am spending all this time homeschooling or teaching my kid. At that time, I didn't even really know about homeschooling at all. So then it was interesting um, during my son's, during January of that year, I remember this, my husband said, hey, I've got a, um, I've got a great, I got a unique opportunity to go out to Colorado for a business trip. And he's like, why don't we make it an extended weekend and bring the kids out with me, with, you know, with me. And so I said, okay. So prior to that, I asked the kids, uh, teachers at school, um, Nicholas was in the second grade. My second son, Carl, he was interested in kindergarten. And so I, I, I reached out to them, the teachers. I said, we're going to take off a couple of days, but I still want to keep the, the schooling going. So can you give me everything that they're going to be learning in those like three days that we would be taking off in school? And they said, they said, fine. So we did that. We went to, we went to Colorado and had a great time, put the kids in ski school and had a great time, got all of our schoolwork done, came back. And, um, you know, during this time I was, the kids were still not, not so much Carl, but Nicholas was still having some struggles. And, and so basically what happened was in February of that year, um, as do a lot of Catholic schools, they have the Catholic school week, but for us, every time that time of the year came around, it was a time to recommit to the next year in school. And they wanted they wanted the families to sign up for next year. We had pretty much like a deadline. Mm -hmm. And during, during this time I had been, you know, on occasion going to like daily mass, uh, you know, just once, maybe twice a week, if you know, I had the chance and I saw some families at our, at our parish and it, and it really surprised me. Um, I saw these, you know, these large families, all their kids seemed to be like, like quiet and obedient and like <laughs> reverent, which, <laughs> which was a shocker to me because <laughs> it was not like that at our house. And um, so I, I stopped and asked, I talked to one of the moms afterwards and I said, I don't even know Z, but why aren't your kids in school? And they said, oh, we homeschool. And I said, what is that? <laughs> Yeah. And then, so I started talking and I said, I started explaining to them, you know, why I'm having so many problems. And she said, why don't you consider homeschooling? And I said, I don't think I can do that. She said, come to one of our monthly meetings. And so I did. And then I started going to the library and getting books and I brought home stacks of books. And so at night I read them and my husband saw all these books laying around and he was like, Faye, what? <laughs> what are you thinking about? <laughs> and I said, I said, I said, Oh, Mark, let's please try just for one year. I said, mm -hmm. how bad can we screw this up? Yeah. 
And so um, very reluctantly, very reluctantly, he agreed. And so we tried it and we haven't been back. Never, ever. I mean, imagine like I, it was not in the plans at all to homeschool in high school. We visited our local public high schools, local Catholic schools. We even went down to the next county to check out this, this public school that had a very reputable program called, well, you probably are familiar with them. It's called International Baccalaureate Program. I don't know if you guys are familiar. So yeah. it was supposedly very rigorous and all that. And we took them down there and I, I, I fully expected Nicholas to just choose one of them because I had no intention. I mean, it was not even like, no way. Then he comes yeah. to me and he says, he says, mom, I want, I want you to homeschool me in high school. And I said, I can't do that. I just can't, I can't do that. Understand? Like I can't, I've got all these other kids and I said, there's no way. So I went online. This was literally like July or early August in 2013. And then I, I stumbled across Colby and checked check them out. And I enrolled Nicholas, gosh, it must have been like just a couple of weeks before the classes began. And I enrolled him in just one class. And it was honors Greek literature with Miss Finnegan. (laughs) (laughs) And when I saw the books, like we ordered all the books. (laughs) And I saw these stacks of books that were coming in the mail. I started reading the Iliad, thinking, oh, my gosh. Nicholas is like never going to be able to handle this. And so I read the introduction was like 50 pages long. And I was thinking, how in the world is he going to understand this? I can't even keep these like gods and goddesses straight. And (laughs) I was, I was struggling through the whole thing. I had all these like diagrams and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to be here if Nicholas needs help. I'm going to try to understand this. So I'm like struggling every night trying to read this stuff. And then Nicholas comes to me and he goes, relax, mom. I'm already at 150 pages. And I said, I can't even get past the introduction. And he said, it's okay. I understand it. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so that's how we came to, to it. Your reticence, your hesitation, we hear that a lot. I'm, I'm wondering, Everett, how many times you've heard similar stories, same thing, the, the hesitancy the parents have, and then the timing also, because I also was a late summer decision maker. And so Everett, do you, this is, you can almost predict it probably, can't you? Absolutely. It's was, it was fun hearing the story, you know, is uh, especially uh, Faye mentioning that uh, there in, in, in 2013, that's the first year we started those online classes. <laughs> and it's funny how often the story begins with that first year of online classes. There, okay. there's a family just, we had graduation just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and at graduation, you know, one of the mothers came up and uh, said hello and said, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but there in 2013, I was at the national conference there in Virginia. Um, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do and how this was going to work. And you told me that you were starting online classes in the fall. And, and obviously that was nine years ago. And since then, all of our kids have gone through the program and the last one graduated this year. Um, so it's definitely, it's the, you know, the, the that story of, of that they was telling, I think is, is. Uh, I mean, it's certainly an example of Providence, you know, of giving people the support that they need. Every time we hear one of these stories about how hesitant someone was, it's a very, um, 
we're, we tend to think we're the only ones who feel that way, I think, but it's really instructive about how, how common a feeling it is that this hesitation and we move forward anyway. And I think that's inspiring. Anna, you mentioned on, on when we first met you on episode 81, how you came to homeschooling because of your gymnast daughter. Would you remind us of that story though and catch us up on how you're doing? Sure. So um, very much the same way as Faye, our girls were all in a um, brick and mortar Catholic school. I taught at the school as well. And that's the school I went to. My mother went to, my grandfather went to. So like, that was just the way life was, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, she was training and she was training like 24 hours a week and was in fourth grade. And we never saw her. We went from school to snack and homework to the gym. She got home at nine o'clock, showered bed, repeat the next day. And um, it was really stressful for our family. We never saw her. She was kind of worn down. Um, she was bored at school and all the things. And we, I quit my job in the middle of the year and pulled her out. And we're like, we're gonna, we're gonna try this out and see how it works. And same thing, very hesitant. Except my husband had been saying this for years. He's like, let's just homeschool. Let's just homeschool. And I was like, I could never teach my own kids. I'd kill them all. Um, and, but it was, so we were like, let's start with one and see how it goes. And we absolutely loved it. Um, but I knew that if we were going to do it for the older girls, I needed help with like upper level math and science. And so we started looking for a Catholic school that offered online classes for the girls, because we had a lot of friends doing like the, our district does it. And there's like other private schools, but we wanted to make sure that we kept the, the Catholic part of our education for our children. Cause it's very important to us. And we stumbled upon Colby and um, our daughter just finished honors Greek literature this year with Mrs. Finnegan and our oldest will be a sophomore and our second daughter will be an eighth grader and our um, youngest will be in sixth grade. And we've loved it for each and every one of them. It's been fantastic. And now you're a part of the faculty for the elementary school online too. So it's wonderful to have all you guys in the family. Okay, well, let's let's talk about the flexibility that homeschool offers for student athletes. And of course, this applies to people whose interests are like instruments or all kinds of other things. We're focusing today on, on student athletes because of the considerations we need to take into account for the doors to be kept open, like I said, for uh, college and beyond. So Anna's mentioned some of the sports that her their daughters are involved in. Faye, tell us about the sports that your children are involved in. Okay. All of the kids are or have been involved with um, year-round competitive swimming, cub scouting, and eventually into boy scouting, or I guess now they call it scouts BSA. And they've all studied uh, classical piano and performance. So all of that makes for an incredibly busy life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So growing up, I, I, I myself had four older brothers, um, no sisters. So the same exact pattern repeated where we had four boys and the youngest is a girl. So I kind of know what my daughter, Jana is in for. (laughs) Um, And, and my, my family growing up had my older brothers in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and swimming also not competitive year round, but like just summer swim league. So I, I saw the need for physical exercise, especially with boys, lots, lots of boys. Um, and I knew that swimming was a great fun outlet um, and, and also uh, scouting. 
we had exposed Nicholas to just about every sport and he chose swimming, which was wonderful. Um, so likewise, all the way down the line, we had, we ended up having to do swimming. So I always say that my van goes to the swimming pool, the scout house and our piano teacher's house, <laughs> because that's pretty much all we can do. I, I I'm one person and I, I, I mean, it's just, that's the only way that we could kind of make this all work. Um, yeah. But anyway, they, they, they enjoyed it. But I, anyway, in swimming, I saw the positives that came out with, you know, with that involvement. I saw that in swimming, being a part of a team, learning how to support other teammates. I saw the discipline that it takes to practice, um, even having to get up at 4.30 in the morning to practice at 5 a.m., turn around and come and do it again at 3.30 in the afternoon, several times a week. And it's the, the more they got into it at the state level and also in the um, higher levels than that, it's what it took to get to that, to the, to get to that stage. Um, I saw the discipline and the obedience that an athlete learns when they strive for personal goals and reach it. And likewise, I saw too, um, when they did not reach their goals and how they dealt with it, you know, how they deal with defeat and learning to put it all behind you and to continue to do your best. So it was, it's so good and, and, you know, having the different kinds of, for us, it was wonderful being able to have them involved in scouting and swimming and also classical piano because we had to satisfy a fine art somehow mm -hmm. and we just decided to do piano and all the kids have really enjoyed learning piano and you know performing good to hear i'm a yeah. piano student it's good to hear it's good outlet yay piano anna so you have a gymnast your older daughter was a soccer player and now a rower, yes. right? Yes. Are there other sports that you guys are, that are in the mix at your house? Um, our youngest daughter, she just plays like kind of recreational neighborhood softball. Her big outlet is theater. So she does, um, oh, yeah. she does a lot of theater and that's her, where we spend a lot of time too. Um, but we've tried all the sports too. They, they kind of fell into their sports. Um, we did all the little like um, church league sports. We played softball, we played soccer, we played basketball, we played volleyball. And, and these were the sports that they were passionate about and that they loved. And so we just let them kind of pursue what they were doing. Um, our oldest daughter, she did play soccer for a long time and until she had three knee surgeries. And then we told her we needed to find something else. And so we, we ended up there rowing, you know, by the grace of God. And um, we, we tell her, like Faye was saying, there's been a lot of disappointment, a lot of um, having to work through obstacles and stuff. And we just prayed really hard to find something that would make her happy. That's something she could have as an outlet. Cause she really needs that. She's very competitive, very athletic. Um, and her doctor didn't give her a lot of options and she found it and was passionate about it. And it's, it's been an answer to our prayers and, and something we would have never kind of, you know, come up with, but just fell into our lap. So we're very blessed to have that, um, for her and gymnastics for, our, our other daughter and then theater for Jenny and softball and we do art and all that good kind of stuff too to fulfill our fine arts our girls um, are not so musically inclined the older two so they do art classes at the museum and they love it oh that's a fun mix yeah 
Yeah. With all that you have going on, homeschooling sure seems to be, in my experience, a good way to accomplish what we need to and keep the academics um, a priority by also leaving space to do these different activities and, and pursue them at the depth and of the interest that your children have. How do you all make that work in your families? We're big on a calendars in our house. Um, everything is done by calendar and our priority is always school. Um, and our, our girls do online classes. Ellie just did two this last year, our gymnast, but she'll be doing five next year. And it's always just kind of like, here's what your gym schedule looks like. And then we chunk time. Okay, here's your online class at this time. This is how much time it typically takes you to do like your math homework or your science homework. And so build that into the schedule and then, um, and kind of fit the other classes in the same way. Like, we you know, it takes you this long to do this and this long to do this. And we love that we have like, there's no online classes on Friday. And then we can also have the weekends to work through things if we need to. And what competitive season is from January through April. And so we know that those two weeks are really important for us to kind of get ahead of things so that when, you know, we're out for a lot of meets and stuff that she's not getting slammed on homeschool stuff. So we can kind of work it to making her schedule optimal for her, but still making sure that she's covering stuff, but it doesn't have to be within like the confines of like what a brick and mortar school says, like it's due tomorrow, you're doing this today. Um, and so we've, we've just worked it so that we kind of go a little longer or take, you know, throughout the year, take a few more days to finish it where we go really hard during breaks so that we can make sure we're accomplishing what we need to, but letting her not feel overwhelmed, you know, with her activities as well, but still getting her that rigorous education. Identified a lot of ways to make it work. I really enjoy the flexibility of homeschooling. There's no way in the world that we could do all of these activities, all these extracurricular activities, if we didn't have the flexibility of homeschooling. And I love, I love the fact that we have those Fridays off. We can schedule things like a doctor's appointments or go grocery shopping or just take care of some things. And it's been wonderful because the kids have had to learn. And I've had to have this conversation with them many times where I say, look, you know, you can screw around with your time um, because you're in the driver's seat, you know, of, of your education. And I said, you need to be disciplined to do it. You can do it the easy way, which is to space your thing, space your work out over the week. Yeah, everybody's got a planner. Um, it took a while to get people to actually use it. <laughs> um, yeah. And everything's on there. There's swim meets, which a lot of times are sometimes three and four days. And our swimming schedule is pretty much year round. So our swim meets can last three, sometimes four days long, which means that they have to take off school um, to usually, you know, Thursday or Friday, which Again, it's great because with Colby, you only have to take off Thursday uh, because they have Fridays off. So I really love the flexibility of that. We do things um, a little bit differently in our family. Um, and this is, again, something that I never anticipated until I, I was actually faced with it. Um, we have tended to put our kids in a few Colby online classes. We're not fully enrolled. Um, and we generally do math at home. My husband generally tends to help with what well, we do. The We have a program that we use and whenever they have prob problems in math, they go to dad because he's the, he's the math help desk. Yeah. 
And so when they're when they turn 16 years old, we've generally tended to get them through algebra two uh, trigonometry. Um, we get them through that, and then we take them to our local community college, and they take the placement test. And so far, the first three kids uh, have they've placed into pre-calculus. And uh, I think Nicholas went through, uh, he went through calculus too. My second one, who was much more engineering minded, he was able to finish um, from pre-calc all the way through calc one, calc two, calc three and differential equations. Hmm. Um, And Andrew, I think did through calc, calculus one because he wants to go to medical school and he says that's all he needs to all the math he needs to learn is through calculus so peter is just entering into the eighth grade so we have a couple years before he does that but we've utilized the local community college to get through a lot of their stem uh courses and nicholas was able to accomplish my eldest was able to do all of his first year biology and first year chemistry. And it was wonderful because they got the chance to just kind of dabble into and and figure out what they wanted to do. So homeschooling has afforded us that, that opportunity to be able to do that. So we love, we love that. And uh, it's been a good thing because Colby Academy is rigorous. And I think hands down, it has totally prepared them for college, at least so far, for the first three, my eldest son is now, he just graduated from college last May with a chemistry and biochemistry double major with a mathematics minor, straight A student. And he is, it just finished his first year. Nicholas just finished his first year at Texas A&M. He is uh, in a PhD chemistry program and was just awarded a um a national graduate fellowship scholarship that's going to pay for all of his research so we i i attribute a lot of that success to colby academy because it it totally prepared him for college and he did he did well for himself and in the swimming that he had also you know doing the competitive swimming and learning how to order his uh uh, studying during those swim meets, those weekend swim meets, and he was able to manage his time. So I, I think it was all, it all worked out really well. I'd love to add to Bonnie, that sure, I, yeah. everything that Faye just said, I think it's also great that like our kids have learned how to kind of like when they get to college, it won't be the first time that they're like having to um, dedicate time to certain things or having this freedom where they're like not sitting in a classroom, but they're still expected to be doing work. Right. Like my girls all know that like, just because I'm not in class doesn't mean I shouldn't be doing something right. Like there's homework to do or reading to get ahead on. And I think they've learned that so much with this. And then we also travel a lot, like for Thursday and Friday meets or regattas. And so our girls are able to like still do their work. Like we've done a lot of classes in the car as they're driving or, um, you know, homework in the car and submitting um, it when we get to hotels or something. And so that it's afforded them a lot of flexibility that way, but also it's taught them a lot about themselves and taught like responsibility and um, time management skills that I think are going to benefit them for the rest of their lives. So it's, it's been excellent in many ways. 
it's it's becoming very obvious that some of the success of your children is due to some very wonderful guidance by their parents here for me with the teaching them those skills right i mean because you can just you can not give your your child the opportunity to fail succeed or to develop the skills to just get it done when even when it's hard but in your story so far that's just coming out over and over again so it's not surprising to me <laughs> that you're having success with uh with your your children being able to do things on their own it's really lovely you certainly set them up for that success so for for athletes hoping or planning to compete in college sports we have the ncaa to factor in and and other organizations probably is right so before i wade too deeply into water that i can't swim in so let's let's get you guys talking about some considerations that we need to be taking into account if we have athletes looking to to continue this in college there so everett take it away with this well here why don't i start off just briefly the first thing to realize is uh, whether it's the ncaa or uh the naia which is the, the other main um competitive organization each of them has certain requirements to uh, be eligible as a student athlete to be in college um so that is one of their their stated goals is that they want to make sure that every athlete is also functioning as a student uh, and so there's eligibility both heading into college and then there'll be eligibility uh, while you're in college that you'll need to be taken care of and so each of the organizations still has guidelines about what they expect um in um, and the the those expectations have changed uh, over the last decade as we've been, been going through this they've changed multiple times and so it's always been a matter of, of paying attention so that's the first thing i think as a parent is you need to make sure that you are pulling up those those guidelines and that you are aware of what they are and that you're paying attention for any changes it's easy to get yourself in trouble early on you know in heading off to college just as a regular student it's hard to do anything as a freshman or sophomore that's going to just really shoot yourself in the foot uh, where if you're if you're looking at athletics, it actually it's it's a lot easier to do that to put yourself in a in a bad spot. Um, so if you think you have a student who might be interested in competitive athletics at the college level, um, you need to start looking at that in eighth grade. Uh, really is what I would I would strongly recommend. It isn't to say that we we can't help you afterwards. It just it's more difficult. Um, so that's the first thing. Now in the NCAA process, which is the most common, they have what are called required core courses that you have to complete. Um, and there, there's a couple of different ways that, that those can be done. They can be done through, um, through a school that has approved core courses, or they can be done under their homeschool program. Uh, and they have two different ways you can do the homeschool program. So there's some different options that you need to be aware of. And that's, those are the things, especially if you're a Colby family, you'd be wanting to be talking to uh, your family advisor about so that we can work on those. And good chances are pretty good that you'll end up uh, speaking with me as well during that process. So we can talk about what that looks like. Okay. So Faye, will you tell us your story about navigating this process this sounds like quite quite the quite the deal <laughs> well let me just say that i was not prepared at <laughs> all i was not prepared at all for nicholas to be swimming in college at all but it just so happened that <laughs> during his senior year uh the senior maryland state swim championships well, let's just say he had a really good coach. He knew Nicholas was a hard worker and he knew he had a goal of wanting to get a certain time that would open up the possibility of him being able to swim in college. And so he invited Nicholas to come train with him. He, he continued to, to, to swim every morning at like five in the morning. And he said, you come every morning and you swim with me and we're gonna knock that time down. 
he's a Nicholas is a distance swimmer. And um, so Nicholas said, okay, I'll be there. So we had to get up, <laughs> drive him. Um, and um, he reached his goal. He at the at the at that last swim meet of you know of uh, his senior year, he he kind of made it to the next level, and then suddenly colleges were looking at him, wanting wanting him to swim for their team. And so here we are. Nicholas had, you know, it it wasn't like he was in a regular school, which was already approved. Uh, he his whole high school career was literally like one one class taken and an online class over here, one taken over here and this other uh, online. I mean, it was, and then he had a mixture of like a bunch of uh, college classes. And so we had no idea what we were heading into. Hmm. And I, I would love to say that it was a breeze but it was not. Um, it, every time I thought about calling the NCAA, it was just, it, it was, it was, it, uh, it was not something that I looked forward to because every time that I called, um, I literally had to rehash because there was, it didn't seem like it was very organized. And I, and I literally had to like rehash Nicholas's entire dilemma. The fact that um, and they, they pretty much told me flat out, they said, look, none of these online classes are approved by the NCAA. And they, they basically told us, even if it's just one course, the entire, the entire school and all the courses that they offered had to be approved. I mean, it was, it was a nightmare. And um, so here we were, it was like April, May, June, July. August. Uh, so Nicholas goes off to school. Again, so far, we don't have any confirmation that he has been NCAA approved. September goes by. And the coach at his school allowed him to continue to come to practice and to practice with the team. But um, it is forbidden for a student to, uh, to actually compete unless they have the official NCAA approval. So here he was, and, and, and I'm telling you, we were panicking because he had a scholarship. He had won a scholarship to swim. And, and it was looking like that wasn't gonna happen because this whole approval process took so much time. And, and there, were, there were many glitches, many times where they would call me and they would say, can you send us the information for this again? And, and I was beginning to think that it wasn't going to be a possibility at all. But fortunately, literally like three days before his very first swim meet in October of his freshman year, uh, Nicholas called me and he said, the coach told him that everything had been approved. And it was, it was unbelievable. And it was very happy that that happened. But it, the process all in all was not easy. I but I think now it, it, it's, it's a lot easier than it is. In fact, I, I reached out to Nicholas and he told me, he, um, he basically said, um, 
for D1, Division One, Division Two athletes. You said the NCAA, of course, requires the approved uh, uh, courses, just like Mr. Boyarski said, and um, and they they have a they have a very uh, good process right now for 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 homeschoolers, whereas they didn't they didn't before. So that was that's all good for everybody, you know, everybody coming through down the line, you know, now. But I'm glad we ended up doing it because. Nicholas got so much out of um, being able to compete at the collegiate level. It was wonderful. So I'm glad we did do it. Wow. So Everett, you, you're probably right in there with her on that whole process of, of getting it all approved. You want to fill in, fill in from your side, Everett, how, how that went for you? So, yeah, that one, and so as we mentioned, the NCAA has changed multiple times over the last 10 years that we've been doing this. When I first started, we we were considered to be an approved school. We actually had core courses listed. Um, so that's back in, I started back in 2008, kind of 2008 to 2012. We were um, basically just an approved private school. Um, then they changed things. They decided that distant schools no longer counted as real schools. Um, and all had to be under what they called their homeschool program. Uh, so at that point, they changed us from being a school to being a homeschool umbrella program. Um, and then, which meant that, our, so parents could, would still be using our transcripts. We'd still be sending our transcripts off, but parents had to fill out these core course worksheets for each of the courses. Now, in good news, the core course worksheets, if you're doing our homeschool courses, you take the information, the course plans, you put them in the core course worksheet, you sign it, and, and, and you've got the piece of paper that you need to do. Um, and every single time one of our parents submitted a core course worksheet with one of our courses on it, it was always approved. But it didn't change the fact that you've got, you know, 12, 16 of these pieces of paper that you've been filling out over the four years and making sure you get it turned in. And, and as Faye said, hoping they don't get lost. And if there's anything that goes on, you have to tell your story over and over again. I mean, what she described is the quintessential NCAA experience, unfortunately. Um, it is a giant bureaucracy. There's lots of paperwork. There's lots of red tape. Um, and there's very poor communication. That's just the story of working with the NCAA. So that's so, starting probably 2013-ish. That was their the model was this umbrella program thing. As of a couple of years ago, um, kind of after the pandemic, the and, and we we actually applied after, a few years after the start of the online program, we actually applied to have the online program certified. Uh, at the time, they said no, we don't do online. Uh, we don't you know we don't consider that you know. Uh, with uh, one of the, again, silver linings uh, with the pandemic, they finally made the decision that maybe this online education thing is here to stay and we should probably figure this out. So they put in to, to place a process that online classes can now be certified as core courses. Of course, they, they put that process into place in September of, uh, of a year. And then they backdated the requirements so that anybody who had done the old process using uh, the core course worksheets for our online classes, that no longer counted. And now they had to do this new process, which meant that we had approximately four weeks to get all of our online classes certified so that students who had been in, in that transition period didn't lose their eligibility. What? Um, so that was a, a scramble, uh, unfortunately, but we were able to, to get through that. And the good news is now that every single one of our online courses now is an NCAA core course, which means there is uh, the only thing you have to do is you have to turn in your transcript at the end of it uh, and you're done. So if you're doing the online courses, the, those are automatically approved. They're on our core course list um, in the NCAA database. And so you can take your whole batch of core courses and you can turn in your transcript. That's all you need to do. Um, or you can do a combination if you're doing the homeschool courses, self-paced courses, um, outside courses, then you kind of mix and match. And you have the, the core course worksheet process with the umbrella school um, on one side, and then you have the, the 
um, the regular school uh, process using our core courses on the other side. And so again, that's where uh, it'd be good to speak with your family advisor. Again, you'll probably end up working with me a little bit so we can talk about making sure that we've got you on the right path. Um, try and avoid some of the challenges that, that, that Faith's talking about. Because her experience is, uh, I mean, this is a very common experience in dealing with NCAA is, you know, they, they tell you, you haven't done this or you haven't done that. And, and either A, you say, well, actually, we did do this and we gave you the paperwork and here's another copy of it. Um, or you figure out what the, the hoops are that they want you to jump through and, and try and get them done. Wow. I also wanted to just uh, let, because I, I did speak with Nicholas about this before I, I came on. And he, the advice that he gives is he says, you know, there shouldn't be any problem going forward with, because the process is laid out now. He said, but... If there is an issue with anything, he said, when in doubt, he said, talk with your prospective coach. They get paid to help you through this process. They have seen it all and they are your best advocate to when it comes to working with the NCAA. So please, if you have any struggles um, at all, um, have your student contact the coach and have them work it out. It's not something that you should have to do. It's the coach's job really to, to take care of it. And like I said, they've seen it all. So they, they are really your best resource. And, and I can't echo that enough, depending on your school. So, uh, and many schools will actually have one or more people in the athletic department who their job is, is NCAA compliance. Um, and they, again, this is what they do as their job is dealing with getting students eligible. And so that's where absolutely is once you have a college that you know that you're going to and you've made a commitment there, uh, then that's that's going to be the people you want to work with. And, and you'd have them probably coordinating with us if you're you know, attending school with, with Colby as well. So that's correct. Wow. This is goodness. Okay. It's good to know to just be aware that this is all a part of it. If there's any possibility, <laughs> right? Anna, you've been nodding your head along it. You've sung this song. It sounds like you're, you've been working along. Tell us how this is going for you. This has been part of your all the stuff you're tracking. So we're we're very early on in all of this for our gym. So part of our reason for Colby, we loved it, the transcripts and everything too. That there was like an actual like record of our children's classes and that they were an accredited school. Um, so that when we went through this whole college process, that it would be so much easier for us. That there there were records and, and things that. Um, and we wouldn't have to jump through as many hoops, hopefully. Um, but we, we've just started, both our girls are registered with uh, NCAA and um, we're just you know tracking and making sure that they're, they're hitting their classes that they need to be eligible to, to compete if that's what they choose to do and if they're able to um, when they get to college. And so that's the last piece that Ms. Saban and just mentioned is the one of the things that you can do is your students can register with the, the NCAA through their clearinghouse um, as soon as you're in high school. And I would highly recommend doing that. That's going to allow you to, if you do that, that'll allow you to actually start working through the process kind of year by year. And what that means is that you can already have all of your freshman courses approved and in the database at the end of your freshman year. And then same thing you can do at the end of sophomore year. And then there's a time for your senior year, you might actually finish your core courses or only have one or two left. And rather than having a mountain of paperwork to do, it's just a matter of getting those last course or two done. Um, it's much easier than coming along your senior year uh, entering the clearinghouse and finding that you've got this whole stack we need to track down. Do I have all the core courses? Where are they coming from? How are they eligible? It's much easier to, to start the process early um, and it improves the chances of them have better records of what's going on with you and actually knowing what's happening if you need to communicate with them. It's another instance of 
of doing it as you go along. Like we've spoken before in previous episodes about keeping track of honors and awards and activities and other things to build out the resumes and, and things like that from the beginning of high school and earlier. This is another area <laughs> should be doing as you go along. This has been wonderfully helpful. Are there other resources or recommendations you all want to throw out or any final thoughts that you have at this point? I was going to ask the, the two of you, do any of you have any groups or other, so there are a lot of groups out there that are helpful for, um, that, that are basically NCAA parents who have done this before or who are currently going through the process. Do I, either of you have groups or, uh, or people that you found have a helpful resource to, to work with to provide some additional guidance on this of, of maybe parents, families who've been through it? To be honest, we didn't have any, there was, there was nothing out there for us. We were literally navigating this whole thing um, in like real time because I hadn't looked at it beforehand. Uh, we were kind of trailblazing this way from having all these online classes at different schools to having to figure this thing out. And uh, so, no, I, I, I have to say that for us, we didn't really have any anything we didn't really know because Nicholas was my eldest. I didn't really know of any other families who had, you know, kids who had uh, been competing in, in colleges. I didn't really, we didn't really know anybody at that point. So we kind of did this on our own. So we have um, at the gym, there are girls have that have gone through this process before. And so our coaches are semi-knowledgeable about the process. Um, so we have friends that have done it, um, our friends that our daughter used to play soccer with, their older siblings have done it. And so we have some kind of firsthand knowledge through people. We probably, um, Ellie will just be an eighth grader next year, we'll probably look at getting a, a help from a recruiter in the next year. So um, just to kind of help streamline the process. But as of right now, we're, we've just read a lot of things and talked with our friends, but um, nothing formal as of yet. Okay, well, this, this will serve as a great help to a great many families for whom this may have be the first time they're hearing any of this. <laughs> yeah, so once again, always a good reminder to keep in touch with their Colby advisors, how they can help in so many ways, this being among them, this athletic side, which might not have occurred to people that they would need to talk to their advisors about this. They might have been thinking it would be academic stuff, but this is important to include in the conversations as well. All right, anything else? I just want to encourage... The, the students that, you know, I, I would just encourage them that if they've been involved in a, a sport, a competitive sport or, you know, whatever, I would encourage them to reach for their dreams, to carry that on through college. It was a fantastic experience for Nicholas. He wasn't really ready to stop swimming at the end of his senior year in high school. And uh, he just loved, he loved his college experience, not only academically, but also competitively as a swimmer. And, uh, and he still swims uh, to this day, albeit he does it on his own, you know, uh, um, where he is now at Texas A&M. And uh, every, several times a week, he just goes and he swims and it's, it's, uh, I think it's really helped him foster that kind of um, 
you know, that kind of athleticism and, and he's going to continue that. And it's a healthy way of, of life. So I think it's sports are a wonderful thing. And, uh, and it, they just, uh, you know, it just keeps you forever young, I guess. Certainly lots of lessons in, in growing in virtue to be learned this way, among others. Yeah. And I have to throw out a mention, we did an episode with the one of the campus ministers from Texas A&M University on episode 85, Vibrant Campus Ministries. That was a fun conversation. Yeah. Um, where, where Nicholas is now, they've got a lot of good stuff going on down there. So that, that was a good episode. Let's check that out for, for interested listeners. Okay. I think I overused the expression too much, although I think it is just appropriate about keeping the doors open. I use that with my own children a lot. They're probably tired of hearing that, like, just don't say doors open anymore, mom, please. But there's so much about, there are so many doors to try to keep open, things to keep track of along the way so that they have the opportunities remain available to them. So thank you all for helping a lot of families today do just that. So thanks again, Anna. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming back to visit with us. You too. Thanks for having me. Of course. Great to see you. Thanks, Everett, for coming back. Faye, thank you so much. It was lovely meeting you and visiting with you in preparation for this episode and this conversation today. Thank you very much for having me. Subscribe to the Colby Cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.